Hello, and welcome to another installment of the 2024 Total Solar Eclipse Podcast. I'm Michael Bockage. I've titled today's podcast, How to Photograph the Eclipse, Part 3. The previous two podcasts provided 16 of the 25 tips I said I'd be giving you to help you photograph the eclipse. Here are tips 17 through 25. Number 17. Is an intervalometer right for you? An intervalometer is a totally cool device that lets you take time-lapse photos. If your plan is to capture close-up images during the entire eclipse, a properly set intervalometer will let you take exposures every X minutes, where X is any interval you choose. And on a driven mount, you can capture images without having to fuss over your equipment. That means you also can watch the event. Well, most of it, since I'm sure you'll still take a look at your setup to see that everything is proceeding as planned. Search online and you'll find a variety of intervalometers, also called timer remote controls, for many Canon and Nikon DSLRs. Number 18. No flash. If you're using a point-and-shoot camera, be sure to turn off the flash. Leaving it on won't do any good, it will drain the camera's battery, and it will really piss off the people near you. So, if you see someone using such a camera, be a peach and share this point with him or her. In truth, the flash is just an annoyance, and although you'll surely hear someone say that a flash's light will ruin your dark adaption, that's not true. Even during the darkest eclipse, the eye's dark adaption doesn't trigger during the few brief minutes of totality, and this eclipse won't be close to the darkest possible. Number 19. Use an approved solar filter to capture the partial phases. For your eyes to be safe and comfortable visually, a filter has to reduce the visible light by a factor of 160,000. Camera chips are a bit more forgiving, and the unit's ability to adjust exposure times pretty much guarantees success. So, attach a filter to your camera lens. Note, although a number 14 welder's filter is approved for viewing the sun at any time, it uses heavily tinted, one-quarter inch thick glass. This means that, although they're fine for visual use, don't shoot through one. You'll be disappointed by the result. Number 20. Take the filter off to capture the corona. The sun's disk outshines the corona by one million times. That's why we never see it except during totality. Even a smidgen of our star's visible surface completely overwhelms it. So, to observe or photograph the corona in all its glory, remove the solar filter. One thing to keep in mind when you're photographing the corona is that its brightness varies according to its distance from the sun. It's really bright next to the solar limb, that is, the sun's edge, and it gets progressively fainter as you increase the distance to the limb. Usually, by the time that distance equals approximately one solar diameter, human eyes can no longer see the corona, but cameras can't. Every eclipse photographer I know takes the time to bracket his or her exposures during totality. That way, some will reveal detail in the inner corona, while others show features in the much less dense outer corona. Some photographers even have invented processing techniques that let them combine shots to show details in the entire corona. Number 21. 
use a sturdy tripod. Absolutely none of the photography I've described here falls under the handheld variety. Shoot away with your cell phone and point-and-shoot cameras if you want, but honestly, you're wasting your time and throwing away seconds when you could be awestruck by the celestial spectacle in the sky above you. And while image stabilization sounds good incorporated into upscale lenses, nobody trusts it for capturing eclipses. You have two choices for eclipse photography. First, you can use a standard tripod, or you can attach your camera to a telescope mount, with or without the telescope, that sits on a tripod. If you're worried about the stability of your tripod, you can help matters out by hanging a 10 to 20 pound weight centered under your tripod's head. Doing this will lower the unit's center of gravity, making it more stable. Finally, discourage people from approaching your photo setup. Why take the chance that Aunt Mary could accidentally kick one of the legs of your tripod? That would ruin your alignment and immediately turn you into a visual observer. Hmm, on second thought, would that be so bad? Number 22. Calculate the field of view for your system. I probably could start reciting a table here that would take me 20 minutes to finish. So many DSLRs exist today, and they all seem to have a variety of lenses they can accept. Plus, not all of them have the same size sensors, and sensor size factors mightily into the field of view calculation but you probably will need this information. So, instead of an unwieldy table, here's an easy way to figure out a lens's field of view on your camera. The field of view equals 2 times the arctangent of 1 half s over f times 180 over pi. s is the sensor dimension in millimeters, and f is the focal length of the lens in millimeters. Note that this formula is for just one dimension, that is, width or height of your chip. If you want to figure out the field of view in both dimensions, just do the calculation twice. An example probably will help. Let's say your camera is a Canon 6D and you want to know what the field of view would be if you choose to photograph through a 200 millimeter lens. The 6D sensor is a full-frame one, or 35mm. That means it measures the same as a piece of film in an old 35mm camera, 36 by 24mm. For this example, the horizontal field of view would be 2 times the arctangent of 1 half times 36 divided by 200 times 57.3. All that equals 10.3 degrees. If your calculator doesn't have an arctangent key, you can find numerous scientific calculators online. Now, let's do the vertical field. While you could use the formula again, why not make things easy? The vertical field measures 24 divided by 36, or two-thirds of the horizontal. So that's 10.3 degrees times two-thirds equals 6.9 degrees. Your field of view, therefore, for just this lens, attached to just this camera, measures 10.3 degrees by 6.9 degrees. Number 23. A telescope's field of view. 
Okay, but what if you'll be attaching your Canon 6D body to a telescope rather than to a camera lens? Believe it or not, the calculation is the same. In this case, however, your telescope substitutes for the lens. So you can still use the formula I just gave you. Just insert your scope's focal length and you'll get your answer. If you're new to telescopes, most manufacturers print the focal length of the telescope either directly on the tube or on the ring that secures the front optic. If it's not in either place, just look in your instruction manual. Number 24. Calculate the sun's size on your chip. After you figure out the field of view of your camera and lens combination, it's a simple matter to calculate how much of your camera's sensor the sun will cover. Let's say the width of the field of view you calculated using the formula is 10.3 degrees. The sun and moon both have an angular diameter of one half degree. So the sun's width on your image will be half degree divided by 10.3 equals 4.9% or 5% of the width of the field of view. Number 25. Calculate the corona's size on your chip. So if you're photographing totality, the sun's disk is just the beginning. In fact, between second and third contacts, you won't see the disk at all. What will still be visible, however, is the corona. But how far from the sun's limb will it stretch? My best guess, which agrees with the half dozen or so eclipse experts I asked, between two and three solar radii. So, a corona measuring two solar radii will have a total diameter of two and a half degrees. That means that for your 10.3 degree wide field of view, the corona will be 2.5 divided by 10.3 or 24%. That is, one fourth as wide as the field of view and 36% as high. And a three solar radii corona will span 34% or one-third of the width, and 51% of the height. Let's all hope for that. Okay, that's the 25. Here's a bonus tip. Process and share your images quickly. Can you imagine how many people will be photographing this eclipse? If you want your images to stand out, or if you want them to have a chance to make it into Astronomy Magazine or on its website, you have to send them out soon after the eclipse is over. Certainly no later than the end of the day, April 8th. Please help me to keep spreading the word about the eclipse by supporting this podcast. And if you like this one, please give it a like. It's easy and free and it will energize me to continue. If you're a fan of the printed word, head to myscienceshop.com and order a copy of Your Guide to the 2024 Total Solar Eclipse. You'll have most of the info I've chatted about in these podcasts at your fingertips, plus some nicely detailed maps of the path by Eclipse mapmaker Michael Zeiler. I'm Michael Bakich. Thanks for listening.